two seconds. Hang on, sorry. What? Yeah. No, okay. Time. Evening, gents. How are you doing? Hi, John. Evening, John. Evening, Robbie. Right, boys? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, good. Thank you very much. So um, on to another podcast today. Um, as ever, I'm always excited for our guests to come on, um, even more so on this one, even more than last time. And that's because I kind of love design, graphic design and, and just branding in particular. Um, when you think of branding, what's the first thing you really think about, boys? Oh, I think about cows' asses. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> with those big steaming Wild West films. So, but that's branding. That's not rebranding, I guess. Yeah. So I'm thinking of a poor cow going through it twice. <laughs> so if you think of a company branding then instead of uh, colours and logos, house. I think. Yeah, I think that's that yeah. Stands out first. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of what stands out, and and for most people, I think we we probably think that's where it kind of starts. Mm. Um, but I'm sure I guess will tell us different and how they get to that stage. Um, so on today's podcast, we got Hugh David from Bright Collie, a design agency um, local to us. So we'll get Hugh on now. He can tell us kind of how he got involved in that um, and what the the company's all about that he works at. Um, and we'll just talk about branding. What do you think? Yeah, sounds yeah. good. But before before we bring him on, John. Rob, best behaviour, don't forget. We've been on three podcasts. As always. Three people have turned you down for jobs. You're looking for a job. Let's, <laughs> let's hope this is the one this week. I'll try and give a good impression. Let's get him branded. Evening here. Welcome to the podcast. Hi guys, thanks for having me along. No, thank thank you for joining us, Hugh. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to, that you're spending some time with us. Yeah, so um, I, as we've we've mentioned before, Hugh, that um, the podcast is about branding, um, and one of the reasons we've got you on today is really to talk about um, you know a brand new brand that's been set up or rebranding as as I class you as a bit of a rebrand expert at Bright Collie. Um, so before we kick off, if you can tell the boys and the listeners um, where you're from, uh, your organisation, your company, and um, and how people can find you and find out more about uh, Bright Collie. Yeah, so I run, um, I suppose the job title's managing director, but I, I run an agency called Bright Collie, um, and the, we're a team of nine specialize in brand rebrand or brand creation um you can have a look at some of the jobs that we've done recently our website's brightcolly.com um and our instagram uh, as well our bright collie instagram's got quite a lot of mini case studies and work samples on there also excellent um so the first question from us then really is where did the passion for branding and design and and i suppose starting up your company come from yeah, um, well, I suppose early, 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 early in my school sort of days, if you like, I probably wasn't that um, interested in much, much other than drawing, sketching, always seeming to have a pencil in my hand. And, um, you know, so, so my, the subjects I naturally moved towards were art and design, design technology, those types of subjects. 
And it was only really when I went to, um, to art college on foundation course, uh, in my head, I thought that I wanted to do animation or an illustration. Didn't even know what graphic design was, didn't even know what branding, brand identity or anything like that was. And it was only through those courses then that we explored different sort of um, elements of art and design. So we did life drawing that and whatnot. And graphic communication was one of the modules. Um, I got really interested in it. I loved, um, in in those days, it was more focused on kind of what advertising and advertising campaigns. So slogans, messaging, imagery, type, how that all comes together for a, for a, to make a message. So that's kind of what got me into graphic design rather than branding, if you like. Then when I left uni, I went to work for an agency and what we did, you know, show my age was kind of more called corporate identity at the time. So it was, um, you know, realms of creating the brand identity and consistently applying that out across literature. Websites didn't exist in those days, right? So it was mainly brochure work, <laughs> um, um, advertising, social media non-existent, you know? So it was very much corporate identity. And that just transitioned over that time, you, you know, into what now is more and more recognised, I think, as brand identity. But, you know, brand's been around for a lot longer, it, you know, and uh, it's it's a buzzword at the moment, I think, but the fundamentals have been with us for, for a long time. So, yeah, that's kind of my little um, journey into branding. That's excellent. That's um, <clears throat> so one of the questions I got, uh, off the back of that, you said you love sketching and, and that kind of stuff, and that's where you started. Um, are you a good drawer with pencil in hand? Because I class myself as an absolutely awful drawer, but with a mouse, I'm not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I used to be, right? I used to be. And and one of the things I think, um, sadly, is it's, it's, a, it's a dying skill as well because, you know, inevitably... Um, you jump straight onto the computer, grab a mouse um, or, you know, um, maybe a stylus or something. And just if you're working on a, on a concept, it's very quickly mocked up on screen. Um, but I, I used to be. It's a skill that I probably not kept on top of. And, you know, if you look at my handwriting, my handwriting's gone downhill as well, you know, right? So, um, but, you know, when we get... we. Um, we get, um, we used to pre-COVID get um, students in on work experience with us. You know, one of the first things we try and do with them is not make them jump on the computer screen, on the computer straight away. It, we it we want to see how they work out an idea, sketch it up if you like first, discuss it with the people sitting next to you or around the table, and kind of like rough it out really before you start making it almost pixel perfect on screen. So, yeah, it's something I think, you know, what we do now still, the guys, you know, when we're in the studio, it's still at home. They're always sketching something up. I mean, it's just that we sketch it very quickly and make a digital representation of it really quickly now, you know? Yeah, that, that's, I love that. I love that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and I like to do a bit of design work on the side and all that. And I found uh, stopping myself from going to the computer and just getting stuck into it straight away is actually more difficult 
than what you realize. And But when you spend that time in sketching, although I'm a bad drawer, that sketching part of it gives you more ammunition when you get to the computer. Mm. And, and I've, I've designed a couple of logos where I've sketched a few ideas out. And, and one of the ones that I've sketched out actually becomes the reality. Whereas if I go straight to the computer, I end up having loads of like mess, I suppose, and you eventually get there. Um, so that prep work is really important, I think, isn't it? Yeah, huge. I mean, it's one of the, it's, it's an element of every job that we do, but it's kind of a forgotten element, if you like. It's not, you know, the clients don't see it. Sometimes not even your colleagues or teammates see it because it's on a scrap of paper on your desk. But if you, if you think the principle of your first idea is your worst idea, so if you sketch it up, just get it down on paper, the next one will get better and you start to think about it. So we, we work a lot. I mean, I know we're talking about branding. We, we work a lot with website and digital and nearly every website project we take on starts with a wireframe sketch of what we're going to do. Where will content go? a little scribble for where a heading or a picture box may go. And then it's from that that we build, you know, the website. So um, but it's re- we've started bringing the clients more and more into that. And, you know, especially working remotely, we, we, it's actually been good for us because we share that sketch a lot more now. Um, whereas before it would just be on, your, you know, in your notepad or, um, like I said, on a little post-it note sometimes and off you go. It's lucky you're a decent drawer then if you're sharing them. Oh, no, no, no. My, I, I think my – ask the guy – you should get the guys, that uh, the team on you because my briefs are the worst, right? It'll be a little scribbled note and a little uh, little squiggle and, like, get on with that, please, you know? So, um, yeah. Do, do you think, um, Hugh, do you think now, obviously, everything is online? Um, do you think that's given a greater awareness to sort of um, companies and corporations about their branding and their imaging? Yeah, I think what, I mean, everyone's, everyone, you know, from children through to adults, you know, um, is aware of the word brand. Everyone's got a different representation of it, right? So some people may think of a brand as um, a product on a supermarket shelf. Some people may think of a brand as just a logo um, and and whatnot. And, uh, you know, People, people are brands these days, you know. So I think everyone's more aware and things like your brand image and your brand personality are talked about in kind of every day of life at the moment. So um, I think the, the challenge more is people realising how they can maybe manage it and control it, uh, you know, and using really design to help them do that. So, yeah, it's... It's every day. Uh, a lot of organizations, you know, I mean, we talk about touch points. So they've now become a lot more of, aware of all of the interactions their customers or their staff might have with their brand and how it really needs to be presented in, in the proper sense, you know. So it used to just be, like I said, in my, my days of corporate identity, you know, you could a logo, some stationery, some brochure, and you could get on with things now. It you know, there's so many ways to interact with the business, and each one of those needs to be branded. I got a question, kind of off the back of that, I suppose. And you might not be able to answer this by nailing or choosing one thing. But what's the most important, either 
brand asset or what's the most important thing when it comes to branding for you? And I'll give you my answer, I suppose. And for me, that's consistency. So like you just talked about touch points is making sure that everything has got that brand attached to it, whether it's the the tone of voice or whether it's the colors, whether it's the logo, that kind of thing. Um, And I suppose even, even the worst designed brands could be awfully looking but if they're consistent throughout people will recognize them um so that's my kind of side of it what's your take on that no i i agree i mean we talk i mean one of the first jobs we we do really with like when we so when we talk to clients we're not always talking to them about refreshing their logo so you can have the same logo but it may be repackaged, new imagery, new typography, new colors, and, and new messaging. But that needs to be consistently applied. So, you know, whatever your message is, it's got to be consistent so people recognize it and remember it. Whatever your image that you're portraying, whatever your tone of voice is, all of that's consistency. And, yeah, you're right, um, the, it, it might not be what we class as great design, but as, as long as it's consistent, you've ticked one major box, if you like, because you could have one amazing piece of design in total isolation and then another, um, and it's just like, well, I really don't know what's going on and it doesn't look like it's from the same business or the same organization. So yeah, consistency. And again, it, you know, a lot of this stuff sounds pretty obvious when you speak about it, but if you look at the big, big global brands like the Coca-Colas and the McDonald's of the world, if anything, they are consistent. You know, wherever you go in the in the world, it's the same logo, it's the same color, it's the same typeface. So it might be a different language, but it's all, you know what brand it's from, you know? Yeah, I, I, I worked in an organization that went through quite a major rebrand that after many years of having the same logo. And I remember the big fight that was going on with some staff going, well, I don't want the new coat with the new logo. I've had this coat 10 years. It's my favourite coat. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to get staff out of wearing things with old logos on was, was a hell of a battle. Yeah, yeah. I have to get the tattoo removed now of the old logo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, that's that's another reason why you should never get a football club tattooed to your arm, yeah. Because that you know, that, <laughs> and uh, whenever, whenever, a f- and I think, not not if this is one of the jobs, but I think one of the worst jobs in the world would be to re- rebrand a you know your football club because the fans are so passionate and it's doomed to fail. You, you know, it's. Um, I've got it written down by here. I've got Cardiff City rebrand. All right, okay. And I, I was going to get everybody's <laughs> thoughts on it because I'm a Cardiff City fan. And I'm sure we'll get on to this conversation about speaking to colleagues and also customers and, and clients and stuff to get their take before you rebrand. is quite important, um, or very important, should I say. And Cardiff City, by changing the colour from blue to red, knowing the fans did not want that to happen, but they did it anyway. It was it was doomed before it even started, um, and then they had to change it back a year later. So um, I just wondered if uh, I suppose if anybody got thoughts on it or totally agree with me. Yeah, it makes you think, doesn't it? If they did any research before they decided to do it, or if it was just a case of right, we're changing it. That's it. It doesn't matter what the fans think. I'm a Man United fan, so I'll I'll step out of this conversation. I don't deal with this, <laughs> this provincial football malarkey. 
Um, what I was going to say, though, actually, when you, so when you look at rebranding, as I say, I think smaller organisations can probably get away with a, a larger shift in their brand than maybe your big companies, your McDonald's, your Burger Kings, which just tend to slightly tweak an existing image. But then part of that is it gives them actually quite a, quite a good history. When you go back and look at maybe over 50 years of McDonald's, it is interesting to see, and if you took from 50 years ago to now, you see no, quite a notable difference. Um, have you had clients that are that big that they are that difficult to rebrand? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's not it's not out of a difficulty for rebrand. I mean, we talk a lot to clients about what we call like brand equity. Okay, so if you've got a really good reputation that's been built up over 20, 30, 40 years, and fundamentally the basics of your logo, you know, don't need reinventing you you know you're recognized so in in the case of something like mcdonald's you're recognized globally for that symbol that's really valuable that's really you know so you, you you don't really want to be ripping that up unless you've got a really bad reputation and you kind of want to distance yourself from it or it's totally not fit for purpose so you know we work with quite large um, you know, what we, you'd class as the corporate, if you like it, you know, uh, agencies, uh, sorry, clients. Um, and, you know, their the logo is seen in multiple countries and it's on the side of all of their offices and their vehicles and embroidered on all, all the sh- shirts. And it's globally recognised. So, you know, to, to change it and to tweak it sometimes is a, is a very, very big undertaking. And again, the conversations you've got to have over and over and over with all of these departments. And sometimes it's up for the, the, the appetite for change for those organisations is like, you know, can we just do a tweak? Can we just almost do a spring clean and give us another three or four year cycle of, of life, really. Um, and I said, there's nothing wrong with that. I think what you you do find that some, some brands will go a little bit more conservative and others are a little bit more ambitious with when they, um, when they rebrand. What you will find is that the, they will edge on the side of caution. So they get less braver when it's going to cost a lot more if it goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's a shame Cardiff City didn't pick up the phone to you, Hugh. Well, I think I mean I mean you, you mentioned it yourselves, guys. I mean I think if you if you're doing some research, if you're doing some um, you know even as a small business, right? What does your team think about the branding that you're going to do? What does some of your key customers think or your key audience? Bring them in on it. They will give you feedback. So, you know, if you're not going to listen to that feedback, you're doomed to fail anyway. You know, no one's going to like it because they're not engaged. Yeah. So. You, you mentioned a good um, a good point there about tweaking a brand and giving it a couple more years. And I think someone like Google do that quite well. Yeah. And if you look at the, the, um, the evolution of their logo over the years, it changes quite regularly, I think, but... Um, just little tweaks, and it could be the the, the style of the font, um, or or just the the you know the the color slightly change or whatever. So they don't really go too big because everybody knows their their main colors and their their main style and all that kind of stuff. Um, and why would they? I suppose. Yeah, I mean, there's a 
a really good got a, a branding um, kind of presentation that we do with um, some new clients and, and whatnot. And there's a good example recently. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but BT rebranded. Okay, so they you know they've gone to a very very simple icon BT within just in a circle, right now. Of course, when that gets presented just as a logo, everyone goes, what a waste of money. Is that all it is? I could have done that myself in PowerPoint, you know, and you get all of the kickback from it. When you actually see it in context then in, in a business and all of the uses it has to have, so from on side of buildings, on sponsored shirts, on sponsor boards, vehicles, on your utility bills, on all of these social media avatars, when you actually, and we've got a slide that shows it in the, like, the context of when it's all used, it's a really strong, clever, and clear identity. It's just you've got to see it in context. Um, and that's what, yeah, like Google do that really well. Is, you know, And you will see brand identities will tweak sometimes because obviously they've gone from one format to more of a screen based or they want to animate it in maybe a little way or they want to make it more sort of stand out on social media or more legible etc so that's the little tweaks you'll see but you you will always get that's so simple is that it you know is, is that all you've done i think i've been guilty it, of that in the past most definitely um <laughs> and i can't remember which olympic this or I think it was the Olympics. It wasn't the 2012. It was the one after that. So was that 2016 in... Was the Charged Edge one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's because it was made in PowerPoint. <laughs> I should have sketched it first. But no, but that's me not having any sort of insight into... As you said, I would never think, well, perhaps they're looking to animate this logo at some point, And that's been considered. I've just looked at that with sort of layman's eyes and gone, I could have done that with some colour in hands, but I guess that's <laughs> and that's probably one of the battles that you face, I I would imagine. Yeah, and it's kind of is is funny because it's one of the things as well that you know we've learned as an agency. I've certainly learned as my like when I've got my designer hat on, is you could spend, you know, hours and hours and hours and putting all of the love and thought and creativity into a logo. And if you just present a logo in no context, inevitably people are going to go, I don't get it, or they, I don't like it, or what does it mean? So it's only when you start actually showing how it's going to be carried out, undertaken, representing the business, that people actually go, actually, I quite like it now. That could work for me. I see myself using that logo. So, you know, we, whenever we're presenting work, we're always showing it in context, not just here's your logo on a screen. Uh, that, that's that's certainly something that I've learned from you, who and Bright Collie, from working with you with the rebrand. Um, when you come in and you present a few slides in the environment where the logo could be used, and also the story behind why you've come up with a logo, mm-hmm. and I think that's really important. And I'm going to come up with a, a saying here, which we could use as the the title of the podcast, perhaps. Every brand has a story, and I think. That's really important because, like Reese just said, you might look at a logo and you don't know that much about it. But when you see the story or you read about the story or you see some sort of video or animation and then it comes and brings it alive, then you understand a bit more about it. Um, but it's trying to get that across to people, isn't it, um, and getting them on board by selling that. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, again, we, we use um, like the Nike logo as an example here of, um, so the Nike tick swoosh, whatever you want to call it, um, that's a more aspirational. That's about getting things done, achievement and success. It's not that we sell trainers and it's not that we you've got to have, you know, some athletes in it and, and whatnot. It's a lot more, so it's telling a story rather than, showing you exactly what we do and what we want you to know about this brand. And and, and I think those are the, the examples of, of brand identities that kind of work. And you are right. Every, there's a story behind every, every business has got a story. Every person's got a story. And, you know, those are the brands. Yeah, you spot on. And funny you should talk about the Nike swoosh or tick. <laughs> it's a swoosh. <laughs> Um, because on on our first episode with uh, Ellie Mannion, the the brand she chose for branded or branded was the Nike Tick, um, and we had a really good discuss- discussion around that. And we were all calling it the Nike Tick, and then Reese came in and said, "Guys, it's a swoosh." <laughs> um, but but you're right, you know. And until that episode, bizarrely, I didn't realise that it was actually a kind of swoosh or tick to like you know if you took away you know the um, the message, just do it, then the tick still stands for the same message. And I didn't quite click until mm. Alan mentioned mm. it on that podcast. And and again, you know, there's that story of like, you don't need the messaging with it. You can just have the tick and it means complete job yeah. done. Yeah. yeah. Very powerful. And it's only a little logo, really, isn't it? Well, I think, again, I think, you know, the, the best bits of design are always very simple. You know, if it's, you know, designs really, how can you tell a message in the most simplest form? How can you get someone to do something in the most simplest, easiest manner? You said you started, obviously, when you started, it was the world was all about corporate identity and we've moved on to brands and branding. What what do you see like with the technology and everything else involved in what you do as the, as the real big changes from when you started to now? I mean, the, the, the biggest and the most obvious, really. I mean, I, I'll put it under the umbrella of digital. But um, when I say digital, I, you know, you can break that into online, if you like, certainly website, social media, um, and that sort of sort of need for digital content is is just huge. And I think, um, like I said, where, where's the fundamentals of, of brand building and branding um, exist, you know, and they generally don't change. It's just about the speed of communication and so and and and, and, and the way that, you know, like I said, every... What used to happen, again, I'm sure my age really, was there'd be almost like the traditional front door to a um, to a, a business or a brand. You know, they would be quite limited, really, how you'd interact. It would be pretty much the business coming to you and you'd go to the business. Now, you know, there's so many ways to interact, to communicate, to get in touch, to rant um to, to to make an order to buy something you know that world that businesses work in at the moment that that really is the the, the biggest change um and you know i think organizations some brands do it really well but understandably that that i think is a huge challenge for 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 brands as well 
And, and when we've sort of spoken to um, other people on the podcast, one, one of the comments that John's always made is that we're in a world where pretty much anyone can do anything these days. So if you wanted to make your own logo, you can make your own logo. And, and like we touched on earlier, that people would go, oh, well, it doesn't look that great. But with the other contributors that we've spoken to, they said, yeah, anyone can do it, but they haven't necessarily got the knowledge and the experience. And I would guess that's probably a big factor in why companies would employ you as opposed to asking their cleaner, can you knock up a quick brand for us? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we, we see it a lot in the design world. But, you know, to, to be fair, I think if anyone who's got a smartphone in their pocket is now a video um, producer, a photographer, a DJ, an author, <laughs> pod, podcast presenters, yeah. you know, right? So um, <laughs> it, it, that's the world. I mean, the, the you know, there's so much that we can now create and do ourselves. I suppose we're agencies, brand agencies, but experts in marketing, experts in PR, experts in copywriting, content, photography. It is that knowledge and kind of just knowing how to use it, sometimes just in a business sense for its best effect. You know, you, you can... I mean, there are websites around. You can go and crowdfund a logo, right? You could get something done for your business for about $20. You know, is that a great brand? Is that great? Does it really get all of your brand story? No, but would it look okay? Fine. You know, you can put a website together for nothing if you want to do the work yourself. Um, but I think it's... You know, we, we try and look as an agency about trying to solve a business problem, understanding a business problem, and then how to present that through brand identity. Um, but I love that yeah. concept, that kind of you're solving a problem for somebody, an organization, not just doing a thing. You know, like you said, you know, you can go to somebody and oh, do that, create that for me, and they can do it on yeah. PowerPoint, Word, whatever. Um, but you're solving that problem. So that's, that's really cool, that is. Um, and Reese summed up there, and I've mentioned it a few times, that some people might see something that you've created, whether it be a logo, and think, oh, it costs that much, and it's only taking you half a day. But the response to that is actually it's taken us 15 years of experience <laughs> to get to that place. Um, and, that, and I really like that kind of analogy. Yeah, I think, you know, regardless of, I mean, I'm, I'm, we, I'm not comfortable with the, the word word expert, you know, so I think I, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound for the sake of it too humble, but I think the world moves so fast, we're always learning, there's always something new, you know, to explore. That said, I think, you know, if you specialise in a certain area, the fundamentals really don't change. So, you know, when you're talking about brand and brand building, the fundamentals of understanding a business problem, how to portray that through brand identity, regardless of whether it's a website, a piece of print, um, social media, if you're not doing the fundamentals, you're not really solving the business problem. And it's the same with marketing. You know, it's the same if you don't understand your customer, how can you create content for them? I think it's, yeah, having that ability and the knowledge to be able to cut through all the content that's out there so, so that you do stand out. Um, yeah, so. and I, I think that is, you know, and that's why, 
you know, agencies exist, if you like, is that there is so much noise out there for, for brands to cut through that you do need some expertise to kind of say, you know, you, you need someone to be able to stand off from the business and go, this is how you could stand out, really. This is how you can claim a little space in front, because there's so much noise. Everyone's competing for the same sort of attention. I was just um, after some advice here, if, if you were looking at um, maybe starting an agency or starting to get into design, would you would you probably start at looking at sort of getting feedback from companies or just having ideas first and then going out for, for opportunities? To, if you start in an, as, as an agency and looking for a client or looking yes, to start yeah. the agency? Um, probably both, I think, yeah. I, I think Bob's got an idea that he's gonna. I think Bob's gonna try and start an agency uh, right off the bat tomorrow. Uh, right. he, he can't draw and so... he can't do any graphics. Well. <laughs> 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 um, so if you if you were looking for clients, um, there's two train of thought. There's the train of thought where you go and do some work, pretty much for free to try and show your worth. Yeah. I don't think that's the best way to do it. I think it devalues your work straight away. And, you know, we say this again to students um, on work experience, if you like, is to go, well, if you were a, a bricklayer, for argument's sake, you wouldn't go and build a wall for free just to show that you could <laughs> lay bricks, right? You'd, um, you, you, so you would, you would use that time to invest maybe in your own content, your own branding, to sh- and use yourself as a case study to get yeah. the work that you want. Okay, so um, that would be probably my advice if you were looking to get clients. And there's nothing wrong. I mean, we do it every day of looking at a brand or a client that we think we'd like to work to and asking them if they'd like to work with us. And then we show them our work and we present you know our team and what we can do and you know that yeah. never stops but we don't want to get into the realms of doing work for free just to show that we can do design work mm-hmm. um but then if you were looking to start an agency as a designer i mean again not not to sound like a you know the the, the old the old guy in the room but, <laughs> but you know back these days, I mean, you literally, I mean, you've got, and again, I think COVID has amplified this because you've got so much ability from literally a laptop in front of you yeah. to, to do any work you want, anywhere you want, anywhere in the world. So we're more connected. You know, I, again, when, <laughs> when I started the agency, broadband didn't exist, right? So we had a, a 56K dial-up modem that, you know, if someone rang the house phone, you you couldn't send a one megabyte email. <laughs> so, um, you know, but but now everything, as you said, is in terms of, um, you know, your ability to run a business, it, it's all on a laptop in front yeah. of you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, as I said, the world that we're working in at the moment is remote working first at the moment. So, um, you know, in terms of, I suppose now would be a great time for anyone to start an agency. You know, you've got um, the lowest overheads that you're going to get. You've got such a big audience out there. 
um, because you're not limited by geography. It doesn't matter if you can't get to London for arguments yeah. so see them. So, yeah, go for it would be my advice for the, in, in that sense. Good advice. One, one, thing, one thing you need to know about um, Bob Hugh is that he does nothing for three. <laughs> this is the man who will charge you for making a cup of tea in the staff kitchen. Um, but I suppose it's, and again, it's almost like a fear that we're looking at everyone can create content. But 30 years ago, everyone had a pen and pencil, but not everyone could actually pick it up and do, or they would try and soon lose interest because it wasn't yeah. right for them. So I guess that's going to be the same with, the, with this generation coming through where the computer can do everything, but there will be those talented individuals that can make it do more. Yeah, and I think, you know, I mean, any any sort of trade, you know, to a certain level, you know, I can count, but I'm not an accountant, right? And I would, you know, and, um, you know, I can Google something and maybe tell you what's wrong with me, but I'm certainly not a doctor. And I think <laughs> they, they, um, in whatever role you've got, there's always going to be people who can do a certain degree of it themselves. Um, you know, that, that won't ever go away. That won't ever go away. Um, and you know that I'm sure there's frustrated carpenters with me and my DIY skills, you know, because I'm quite confident I can do it myself until it goes wrong. Um, so yeah, I'll let you into a secret. I googled how to change a radiator and I flooded the house. There we go. There we go. <laughs> it looked a lot simpler. He was only trying to create a logo as well. <laughs> and, and you see, I mean, I think sometimes as well, you know, we, we've learned this as a business over the years, is sometimes you've just got to let people do it themselves and kind of go, and not to go because you're going to do it wrong, but because what we see with org- with businesses, with organisations, is that we, we will come into a, a, and look at it as a project and we'll invest and put a team around it and invest all of our time in it. Um, but within an organization, that might be one of the many things that you've got to do that day or that week. And it's not your sole responsibility and your sole job. So, you know, we work with the clients, as I said, a lot on websites. And the website process is just part of their day-to-day. It's usually added. It's not the only thing that they've got to do that day or that week. So, it, so inevitably, and it's not from a want of trying or wanting to do it, Clients sometimes just haven't got the time or the resources to do it themselves. Um, so sometimes you've got to let people do it. And again, not to make them do it badly, but um, then to, to appreciate why you need outside help on whatever that might be. I think I think it's probably fair to say it's, it's like tiers as yeah. well. So it depends on what level you need it at and, and what expertise. And I know you guys are good at giving the tools and resources to organizations to do as much as they can themselves. But when they need that bit more and that expertise, they can come back to and kind of deliver that. Yeah. Um, and and, and that, I think that's probably works well. Yeah. And that that's a big shift as well. And I think um, we talked about digital and sort of social. Um, again, you know, in the agency I used to work at before um, I went freelance and set up uh, Bright Collie, um, we pretty much, the clients would need to come back to us for literally everything you needed, right? So if it was a, a tweak of a phone number on a letterhead, it had to come back through the agency. Um, 
nowadays, you know, there's tools out there, clients are using things like Canva and, and whatnot, and they want to be able to create the content themselves. So, you know, the agency can't be a gatekeeper to all of this, like, assets. You know, our job is to create it and to provide it over sometimes to provide the training on, on how to do these things yourself and just give the guidelines and then go and do something else, you know, um, because within an organization, I know Jonathan, you know, from yourself that there may be lots of people wanting to post on social media, update the website, get some information and collateral out, you know, and um, they want to do it themselves. Yeah. I think it comes down to the speed these days as well, like you said, how fast people want to get things out there. So yeah. they, they, they want them tools to be able to do it themselves. Whereas maybe 10, 20 years ago, you know, it, obviously social media didn't exist, but you might send a letter and wait to change that letterhead or whatever. And it doesn't matter. It's not much of a rush these days. It's like, right, tomorrow we need to get this post out on social or this afternoon yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So you need that at hand, you know? Yeah. And, and it is, you know, like I said, it, the big driver there is, um, you know, if you look at customers, customer feedback is instant. So people are reacting quite quickly to that and they want to be, we got to get on top of it. So, you know, it is very, very reactive. And yeah, like they said, the pace of the pace of change. I mean, again, you know, we've, we've gone from an age where um, we used to do print work. So we'd, you know, everything would be printed out sent to the client for proofreading, checking, you know, we'd get dummies made up. Now everything's by PDF, everything's in an inbox, you know, within, as soon as we've hit send, um, nothing gets printed out. And if you do need a printed copy, we can get digital copies printed and posted and finished in about two days for you, you, you know? So it's it's that that quick these days. Yeah, it's fun because I remember in a previous organization <clears throat> had um, a couple of agencies pitch for a, a web design, and most most of them sent a, a an email in with a PDF and a mock up, and this is how we want it to look. One agency delivered a um, a printed this big book type thing, and I was blown away because you never yeah. see that anymore. Yeah. And it was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, and we got them in to pitch and everything else, you know. Unfortunately, they weren't successful, but still, at that moment in time, I was like, I want to keep this um, <laughs> it's because it's quite different and, and old school, I suppose. Then, yeah, well, I'm, I'm still waiting. Well, I mean, we, we, I can't remember the last time as an agency we did a business card job for someone, you know, I blame COVID for that, but just the simple, you know, the, all of a sudden these things just become not needed, you know. Yeah, I bet you John's still got that book. Because what um, Bob and I have discovered over the course of this podcast that most people he's had interaction with, he loves a freebie, does our John? Yeah. So I, I'm I'm waiting for the to see what what was uh, what came through the post from Bright Collie. Well, I tell you what, I have got upstairs, and and who might not know this, I've still got his colour chart. I think um, he's probably been oh, looking it's, for it's that, John. the Pantone colour chart when we when we redid the offices and stuff <laughs> and I think it and it was in my box in work I brought the box and I opened it up and it was like oh look at this and it's huge so I will give it back to you one day. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got one more question just very quick short question Burger King rebrand yes or no who yes or no is in do I like it or should it yeah yes do you like it or would you have taken the work? And the answer would have been yes to that. <laughs> <laughs> did, 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 did Bright Collie do it? No, I wish. I wish. I think I, 
I, I'm, I get that. I don't want to sit on the fence because um, we always look at it from the agency side as well, right? And this isn't a... This isn't to defend every agency, but what you've got to remember is clients always sign it off. Okay, so it only goes it only goes live when the clients sign it off. So there may be an agency behind it who might get roasted if they if it doesn't look good, but it doesn't get published until. So you talked earlier about the London twenty twelve Olympics logo, whether you liked it or not. That was approved by the relevant people before it gets published. Um, so I think, you know, I think every good brand project is a collaboration, agency, client, and the audience that's going to, you know, be basically represented by that brand. So I quite is like it. A yes or a no? Yeah, I, I'm going to go yes. I'm going to go yes. Lovely. Do you, do you so actually touching on that because that's quite interesting do you find now that from when you started you're dealing with clients that are more savvy and do have more knowledge not not necessarily perhaps the right level of knowledge than you would have previously whereas you would have I suppose when you when you started your career may have turned up as seen as the experts and as you said you don't feel you're an expert you're, you're you certainly are more humble than that um, I've seen your website and it does look fantastic. Um, but do you think that there is more of a a battle to bring the the, the, the customer along with you and to get them to engage? Yeah, there's a. I, I mean, again, it, it, it it's very much um, you know a lot of the things that you see um, the brands that we work with or familiar with are led by the burger the, the 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 big corporates the big globals you know obviously from investment from budgets from their spend you know they invest a lot in research market research and the big focus is on being customer centric okay so it's it's more about the customer rather than about what you believe what does the customer believe and the more you see that in play the more other businesses pick up from that and go, actually, this is what we should be doing. This is what we should be doing. And it cycles all the way down, you know, right to the small, small sort of um, man in a van almost. You know, if if you're not listening to your customers, you've basically not got a strong brand, regardless of what your logo looks like. They'll forgive a bad logo, but they won't forgive bad service or um, bad quality, you know. So your reputation is is basically driven by what people think of you um so yeah i think and again that's a lot more you know in the in the the days i mean if, if you guys watch the the series mad men you know that's that that's advertising about putting messages out there not really caring what people think you just put content out there whereas Every piece of content that gets produced at the moment is measured. How did it perform? Did people like it? If they didn't, we need to change. We need to change until they, yeah. they like it. Um, Bright Carly Hill, yeah. um, tell us the story around the name. Because um, like I said earlier, every brand has a story. And Reese asked me this earlier. And I said, there's something to do with the dog because you don't have contact us. I think you have whistle yeah. on your buttons, don't you? Yeah. So, um uh, when I when I headed off into the world on, on as my own on a, as a as a freelancer, um, I just did what a lot of people normally do was just hooked up by my name Hugh David 
and it was who David designed. And it was a dead simple way of just picking up work from the people that I knew and just getting up and running, dead, dead simple. And it, but it never, as soon as I started employing people, it never quite seemed right. Um, it, and after about four, maybe five years, it definitely didn't seem right because the the team behind me were actually doing most of the majority of the work. And, you know, people would phone and go, can we speak to Hugh? Can we speak to Hugh? And it wasn't Hugh. It would be someone else who'd done the work, you know, and it's, you know, speak to those guys. Um, so we we go into businesses and rebrand. We do naming workshops. We do brand positioning. We always tell people to be creative and adventurous. And then there's me saying, well, your name of your business is who David designed. That's not very, <laughs> That's not very adventurous. So we had to do for ourselves what we do to other businesses. And kind of, again, the analogy I used earlier about actually becoming our own case study in some way. So um, the the office that I had was um, set up on uh, it's a converted sort of um, old cow shed on a working farm. Okay, so on the farm, obviously, there were sheep dogs and they're um, herding the sheep every day um, and whatnot. So when we were going through the branding exercise for an agency, we tried to look for analogies. And as we said earlier, Jonathan, trying to build a story and creating the story. So our our story was that there was a, there was a sheep dog on the farm called Jake, and he was a dog that could basically, from a whistle from, from the farmer, go and round up the sheep, right, put them all in the pen without the farmer getting out of the Land Rover, and then <laughs> off he would go and, you know, until the next job, if you like, right? So always like that kind of analogy of just getting straight into the work, getting on with it, being really quick, and only there in almost to talk about that expertise bit, a sheepdog's only used really to get sheep. They're not really the pets, you know, it's so we weren't wanted to be a jack of all trades. So we used that as the inspiration. We we banded around with a few different variations of it as names for a while. We, we, we did our, our own naming workshop and we came up with, we, we were at one point looking at working dog, but we felt that was a bit too, like kind of masculine, if you like, and a bit too. So we came with Bright Collie and um, the idea being Collie as in the sheepdog, but Bright as the, the clever, fun, and a bit more sort of um, thought behind it. So, yeah, that's the the reason behind it. Wow. I, brilliant. Love that story. And, and that just sums up kind of everything we've just been talking about. Um, and it's nice to see that you've got that in your agency as well. Um, you've ditched your Hugh David part and taken on the the storytelling as well, which is really good. So um, I was hoping that you would say that when you was Hugh David design, that you could only employ Hugh Davids. <laughs> <laughs> and you ran out of them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We'll move on to the next part then, which is uh, branded or brand dead. Tell us who you've chosen and why you believe they should be branded and not branded. Okay. 
So yeah, I've um, I've chosen. So the brand name is is Waldo Pancake, right? So uh, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with with him. He's an, him being an illustrator um, based based in London. Um, I I just I just love the work that he puts out. Um, he's got a sub brand, so the, which is Pacino's, which is a coffee shop um, brand. Uh, for me, why I like it, you know, we we live in a world of like corporate branding, and some of that, you know, as much as people will say it wants to be innovative, can sometimes be quite restrained and quite, um, I suppose, quite conservative. What I like with the Waldo Pancake is it's very simple, right? You've got color, typography, and clever message with a little bit of humor in it all the time, and back. Jonathan, one of the things you said, it's consistent. It's very, very consistent. And I just think a good example of how you can create a really strong visual presence from very basic elements. Excellent. Okay, before we go on to uh, Reese to put his uh, two pence in, <laughs> um, so it's an interesting choice. Um, and it, it's nice, actually, because... Most I guess has chosen a company um, with a particular logo or a brand or something like that. You've clearly chosen a designer, um, and and obviously that's what you stand for in your agency and things like that as well. So you're kind of backing one of your own, which is really cool. Um, <laughs> from just f- f- from our point of view, none of us had heard of Waldo Pancake, and we actually thought we actually thought you would pick the food brand, and we'd already had a food brand on you, and thought here he goes, food again. Rob's going to pick this because he loves. <laughs> loves his food so when we've looked into it we've all been quite surprised um of, of this and i think you, you've hit the nail on the head for me it's that consistency that's there and all the work that he puts out is similar it's consistent it's it's um it's really cool so um hand over to reese he can tell our th- tell us his thoughts and uh, see what rob thinks then um yeah and i i think that this will be the first thing is that i've never heard of waldo pancake and if I hadn't, I know I know for sure Rob definitely hadn't. Um, and, and Rob's first thoughts when he heard the name Waldo Pancake was, oh, I haven't tried then. <laughs> that's that's going to be something I'm going to have to get into. So I, I would imagine there would be a level of disappointment when Rob actually logged on to have a look at the website, <laughs> um, which I've had to do. Um, the only thing I'd say about Waldo Pancake is it's fascinating. And, and I agree with what you've both said in that you look at it, it's very striking, it's very visual. I'm confused, though, as a, as a consumer, as to what Waldo Pancake is and what he does. If you look at the website, as you say, you've got the books on there, you've got the coffee shop, you've got Waldo Pancake, but the books are by Jim Smith. So is he the writer? Is he the illustrator? Is Waldo Pancake another name for Jim Smith? In which case, what's wrong with the name Jim Smith? Um, I think Derby County had that manager, Jim Smith, for many years and did, <laughs> did them rather proud. So it's less about the brand. It's more about the confusion of what Waldo Pancake is. Yeah, so J- Jim Smith is the is the guy's name, right? So he's the illustrator and he's the author of the books. His, his illustrations are under the brand of Waldo Pancake. That's kind of what and he sells some products on, on the back of that. So that's the... The brand, if you like, um, Jim Smith is the is the is the brains, if you like, behind it. Um, but yeah, I think you know, 
is it a mainstream brand? Would you guys have known about it? Probably not. I thought I'd throw in a curveball, you know. Um, we, we like a curveball. <laughs> um, and as I say, as John said, it's actually a very welcome addition um, to what we've had so far, which are your, your big clothing companies and your, your big food, um, food types. Um, so I think it's a very good brand. I would say the only reason it isn't branded currently is because it hasn't broken through to someone like me or Rob or John. And especially for John, who's got his finger on the pulse more than than myself and Rob. Yeah. So I think it, it's a future branded, but currently I would suggest it's branded. Well, Rob, obviously the vote's over to you. Tell us your thoughts. Um, I think I'm with Reese on this one. It's um, again the name. The name totally threw me out. So I was looking forward to different types of pancakes with different flavours that never. <laughs> um. Although the, the stuff they do do on the on the coffee shop it does look nice, um, but it, it it is confusing how it's between coffee shop and children's books. Um, I mean the the designs and the illustrations are good because they, they do tie in with the colours and the the fonts all sort of match as well. But it's um, I definitely think it's it's one for the future. So I think I'm going to have to go with Reese. I think. <clears throat> Well, that's the first on this podcast. So, though, sorry. Hugh, Hugh, you're welcome back every single week. For this <laughs> um, obviously, I can't disagree or agree because I'm impartial. But, um, but, but. It's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting <laughs> one because I really love the consistency. And he, Waldo or Jim really sticks by his brand and his guns and what he, he puts out there, which is really, really good. Um, but also, you get a mix of... Is it for adults with childlike writing or is it for children and their raisins and things like that? Because the, the children's part is really good and it yeah. kind of appeals and it's fun and everything yeah. else. It's work. It's fantastic, obviously, and, and he's probably doing really well. Um, so I said, these two don't take a lot to be confused to, so I wouldn't take that <laughs> loss as anything personal. Not, not just confused, also a little bit concerned. Is he advocating that children should be reading his books after having a couple of shots of espresso inside them? <laughs> I'm not a parent, but I, I suspect that's not a great idea. I think what, 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 why I like it, it's, it's very good. I mean, you know, we can give, I talked about BT earlier, we can give examples of what I call corporate mainstream brands, you know, that, and that do it really, really well, you know, from a corporate identity. Um, this is almost very like niche, almost artisan brand, right? Um, and I think what what I what I like about it, what is strong, the core components of um, visual, so typography, color, but also you know there's um, just the tone of voice. There's a the cleverness in each each message and that consistent humor, um, and it it reminds me. So in you know where I thought someone may have gone already. Reminds me of like an innocent drinks, yes. innocent smoothies, mm. right? So yeah. they try that like playfulness on the back of their bottles and, and whatnot. Um, and that's obviously a lot more mainstream than um, than what you would, would, would get here, you know? But yeah, I thought I'd throw it in as a curveball. It's good, good one. There's one there's one product on there I just noticed and it's freaking me out a little bit. And it's a it's a mug with a design on there. It says upside down mug design and the, the writing is upside down. So I'm looking at it and it's just I just feel like I'm spilling my tea before I even pick it up. 
Sech kai cool. Yes, fun and quirky, right? Colorful as well. Reese's Pieces. I'll hand over to Reese. He can explain to us what's going on. Yeah, okay. So, again, uh, this is another regular feature we've got, Hugh. And I think the scores at the moment are guests are 2 1 up on Team Branded. So, you're taking on. Bob and John, uh, but don't worry when they, when they when they team up together, they're not a fearsome duo. Um, <laughs> quite pathetic, to be honest with you. Um, they were very lucky last week. So I've, yeah, I come up with a quiz, and um, obviously you're the the rebrand uh, expert. So this is a quiz all about setting me up for a fail straight away. <laughs> 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 yeah, we'll, we'll over-talk it and see what happens. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so this quiz is all about brands. And um, as as of last week, which the boys seem to enjoy, this is all on a spreadsheet for me. Right, okay. So this is the world's most valuable luxury brand during 2020. So this is after COVID, so everything they've been through. I've got a list of the top 10 brands worldwide. So what I will ask you to do is pick a number between 1 and 10. You'll have um, 5 each. Pick a number between 1 and 10. I will then read out a statement about that company, and I'll ask you to guess who the company is. Okay. If you get it right, for a bonus point, if you can name the founder of the company, if you get it wrong, if you get the question of who the company is, that goes over to your opponent's team for a chance to steal a point. So, as our guest, Hugh, um, first of all, if you want to pick a number between 1 and 10, and this is how they are listed 1 to 10 on 2020's uh, Valuable Luxury Brands. Okay, Uh, let's go number 1 then. Okay, so this is the number 1 luxury brand 2020. Okay. I will give you a clue as to what you can do with the product as well, but that would probably become clear when I read out the statement about the company. So this is a drive it. After an outstanding year, this company secured the title of the world's most valuable luxury brand for 2020, following a 16% brand value increase to $33.9 billion. The German automotive manufacturer manufacturer has has cemented itself as the epitome of luxury further inroads in sustainable practices and new models have helped this brand to another stellar year in the rankings so i'll go i'll go mercedes that's incorrect the company is porsche so team branded for a chance to steal if you can name the founder of porsche you will get a point Oh, on, no, Mrs. Porsche. I don't know. Um, Terry Porsche. <laughs> John, if you'd have gone for a more Germanic name, it's Ferdinand Porsche. <laughs> oh, also known as Terry to his mates. <laughs> I, I read I read an interesting stat about Porsche. I sort of should have remembered it, that they, they made more money from sales of the SUV last year than they did of sports cars. Oh, well. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, boys, number between two and ten now. Go on, Rob, you pick. Um, number seven, please. Number seven. Okay. 
As a coincidence, it's another drive-in. Okay. So, while only coming in at number seven on the most valuable luxury brand list, Italian automotive icon, this company founded itself in an enviable position. Brand finance elevated the relative strength of brands based on factors such as marketing investment, familiarity, loyalty, staff satisfaction, and corporate reputation, finding this company to be the world's strongest luxury and premium brand. Add a 9% value growth to 9.1 billion and five new models in 2019, and you've got yourself a solid year. Do you know any Italian cars, Rob? I know Alfa Romeo. Are they Italian? <laughs> are they luxury? I was thinking Ferrari. Yeah, it's got to be on it. It has to be, yeah, because any and the and the sports cars are dropped, as he would just said. Yeah, yeah. So they, that's that. why they're only seventh on the list. Go on, and Ferrari. Ferrari. Ferrari's correct for one boy. Oh. Five boys. <laughs> so for another bonus point, who? Founded Ferrari. Go on, Rob. I'll, I'll start. We need an Italian name now, don't we? Yeah. Um, Graziano. <laughs> Is it Enzo Ferrari? Enzo Ferrari. That's ringing a bell. Go on. That's our answer. Yeah, say that. Oh, Bob, you've just got yourself a bonus point. <laughs> yes. It is Enzo Ferrari. <laughs> Excellent. God. Good God. See, John, we started this podcast to sort of, you know, show how poor Rob was a bit dull. But these last two quizzes, he's <laughs> come into his own. Doing well. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's back to you, Hugh. And you can have two, three, four, five, six, eight or ten. Let's go for five. Number five. It's a wear it. Oh. So, like the company in third place, French icon... This company reported massive growth this year despite the uncertain times. The company recorded a solid 20% brand value growth up to 13.7 billion. It was an impressive year in this company's first year without their long-standing creative director who passed away last year. <laughs> oh, God. So it's a French fashion brand is what I'm looking for, yeah? I think that's what you're looking for. Luxury. Yves Saint Laurent. Oh, it's not Yves Saint Laurent. Boys, this is going to be the easiest uh, bonus point for you to win as well. So the company is Chanel. For a bonus point, who was the founder? For us. I know you, yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. Chanel. Yes. Coco Chanel, indeed. <laughs> and again, in a previous podcast, he, uh, John actually compared his um, design talents to Coco Chanel. <laughs> and just for some context, too, in case you didn't know, she designed her own logo. Yeah, yeah. Many years ago. <laughs> okay, so boys, you're 3-0 up at the moment, but as I say, there's still three rounds to go, so it's not unassailable. You've got a choice of 2, 3, 4, 6, 8, or 9, or 10. 2. So number two, okay, it's a wear it. Growing its brand value by over 20% over the last 12 months, 
Italian fashion stalwart, this company has landed the second spot on the list of the most valuable luxury brands. A solid showing across all brands, key verticals promoting further growth, which now sees the brand as one of the strongest in fashion. Was it Italian, did you say? It was Italian. Yeah. Italian suits, Rob, go on. I can't think of any. Where do you buy your suits, Rob? Um, Mark's usually. And they're not Italian. Um, Hunger clue. No, we'll have to guess this. Lambretta. I thought you'd be more of a Lambrini man, to be honest with you, John. <laughs> um, I'm not going to take Lambretta as an answer. It's actually Gucci. Ah, of course. Of course it's Gucci. So for a bonus point, Hugh, who was the founder of Gucci? I, I'm lost. Gucci, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, in a similar fashion to Coco Chanel, it's Gucci o Gucci. Is it Gucci o Gucci? <laughs> So, no points there. Uh, okay. Okay, over to you, Hugh. Uh, so we've got three, four, six, eight, nine, or ten. Let's go number nine. Okay, number nine. It's another wear it. Okay. I'll let you into a little secret. The rest are all wear it. So, out of the top ten, there's two <laughs> drive it and eight wear it. So... A decent return for this company. The apparel brand scored a solid 8.6% brand value growth over the year. The admirable sales and strong marketing saw this company rise from 10th spot last year, one higher in the rankings. And I realise I haven't actually written a nationality into that one, so... They are French. So a French fashion brand. Well, I'll go back with what I've picked in the first <laughs> one then for you, Saint Laurent. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's good because it's the consistency that you talk about in branding. Unfortunately, that's not paid off here. <laughs> it's, it's Dior. All right, okay. <laughs> so, Rob, John, who was the founder of Dior? No idea. Again, I think if, if you if you think of these, stick with the name. It's Christian Dior. Is it? Oh, okay. The name as well. So we're still at the moment. It's still only three points ahead. Uh, team branded. So Rob, it's and John. You've got a choice of three, four, six, eight, or ten. Um, number three. Please. Number three, again, it's a wear it. I think what we're trying to prove here that none of us are actually fashionistas. <laughs> so, number three, yeah. wear it. Sitting in the third spot this year, the company was named the fastest growing brand in the top 10. Over a disruptive year, the brand was able to increase growth by 21% up to $16.5 billion. This monumental effort came primarily through the company's makeup division, which performed strongly throughout the pandemic. What was the nationality? 
I will give you the nationality one moment because I've realised that again I haven't put that in. Uh, uh, well, you know it's either going to be French or Italian, isn't it? So it's French. French connection. <laughs> Don't know. If anyone from French Connection is listening and wants to sponsor the pod, we were not laughing at you saying that you weren't a valuable luxury brand. <laughs> Just 2020 may not have been your year. Pass. No? Okay, no points there. I think this could be an easy steal for the creator. So, Hugh, for one bonus point, who was the creator and founder of Louis Vuitton? I'm <laughs> going <laughs> Louis Vuitton. That's correct. That is inspired, guess, and I, brings you back in touching distance. Not, not that I'm not that I'm competitive, but but I wasn't asked the founder of Chris, for Christian Dior. So do I get a point for that? No, you didn't get Christian Dior right. I, think I, I wasn't asked. Oh, you not? <laughs> oh, hang on. I tell you what, we'll review this podcast in about three weeks' time when it comes out. <laughs> and if that's the case, did you know Christian Dior was Christian Dior? Absolutely. I'm asking the point for that, boys. I must be winning. I must be winning now. Um, you're one. You're one point behind. <laughs> with two rounds to go, so and you're up, you. So you can have four, six, eight, or ten. Six. Number six. Okay, so another legendary French label. <laughs> <laughs> this company followed up great results last year with another strong showing. Through a series of solid sales and marketing campaigns, the apparel company was able to secure 9.1% brand value growth, good enough for six spot on the list of the world's most valuable luxury brands for 2020. What was the nationality again? French. French. I th- I'm pr- I, well, we obviously haven't, but I was, <laughs> I was clutching at straws on, the, on the, the top two French brands. So, um, <laughs> We're now down to the, the sixth, are we? Um, and just so you know, who Asda or George is not. <laughs> I go with Lacoste. I go with Lacoste. Lacoste is incorrect. It's a brand I've never heard of, or I don't <laughs> think I have ever heard of. Hermes? Who, oh, is, who, is it Hermes? Hermes. When I read it, I thought it was the delivery company. So I was doing all of this research into it, and it's not. (laughs) So, boys, who was the founder of Hermes? Hermes. Uh, Jean Hermes. If you'd have gone for another French name, it's Thierry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... That's gone. So you've got four, eight, or ten. It's a good ten, is it? Ten. Rob? Yeah. The lower we can go, the better, the more chance I <laughs> Okay, so surprisingly, this is the only US brand to make the list and by far the most heavily impacted by the pandemic. This company's brand fell, value fell by 9.7% this year, being headquartered in New York, which was at one stage the global epicenter for the virus didn't help. But the brand is slowly returning to everyday operation. It is likely to be some time before we see the apparel brand make its way back up the list, however. And it's aware it. American? 
I'm thinking just Nike or Adidas. I was thinking that, but this is supposed to be like luxury posh brands, brands yeah. as in luxury and that. What do you call our luxury? <clears throat> go on, go, go Adidas, is it? Yeah, go on. It's not going to be, but go on. <laughs> Adidas. No, I'm afraid not, boys. And again, it was another, it's another brand I had to Google. Coach. Coach. Oh, I've heard of them. Their, their stuff looked very posh when I Googled it. So over to Hugh, who's going to name both of Coach's founders. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> well, it's Lillian, yeah, Lillian Can and Miles Can. So I'm suspecting there's some sort of relation there. Okay. Oh, this is very tight. So we're going into the final round now. And the score is still team rounded three and Hugh on two. Is this going to be our second consecutive result? So, Hugh, you can have... Four or eight? Four. Four. Okay. It's another wear it. While other apparel brands may have struggled this year, French luxury goods icon, this company has weathered the storm. The label emphasised its jewellery offering over the course of the year, securing a solid 10.1% brand value growth, up to 15 Point one billion. Cartier. He's already done it, boys. Oh, well done. <laughs> pressure is on. Okay, for a bonus point, then, Hugh. <laughs> who is the founder of Cartier? I, I pass. I don't know that one. It was Louis-Francois Cartier. Okay. <sighs> but that ties you level with Team Branded. Oh, we got to get us, Rob. Oh. Number eight. So if you... And if you don't get this, boys, Hugh gets to guess at one of the owners and the founders. So he could actually, because I haven't actually got a tiebreaker in place. So it kind of <laughs> snookered. So, boys, it's a wear it. One of only two brands in the top 10 to drop a value this year. This company was hit hard hit by the closure of its physical showrooms. The Swiss brand dropped by 2.2%. To 7.87 billion. However, retained the exact same spot on the list as last year. Come on, Rob, you were uh, up to scratch with your Swiss brands. I can think of chocolate, but not Swiss chocolate, but it's not with churros. Nothing for me. No? Okay. As this is a tiebreak situation, I'm going to throw it over to Hugh. And if Hugh gets this, he wins the game. So do you want that description again, Hugh? Um, no, I'll go Rolex. <laughs> He's done it. He's done it. <laughs> All right. It's Rolex. Well so, back to True Form Boys. You've lost again. <laughs> <laughs> so, Didn't Hugh come back from 3-0 down or something? He went from, yeah. yeah, 3-0 down to win 4-3. Congratulations. Well done, Hugh. And he says he's not an expert. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm certainly not an expert on French um, fashion brands. I know that. <laughs> yeah, French fashion, though, but a posh watch. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Hugh, it's been brilliant spending time with you. It's been really fascinating and um, a great, great, uh, great chat there. Um, 
you've had to spend some time with, with Bob now. Um, Bob's obviously quite keen to have a look at getting into your industry. The one question we'd like to ask is, would you give Bob a job? <laughs> well, before the quiz, I was thinking, yes. Since the quiz, I'm, we're trying to work with Rolex, so I've got to say no. So, Rob, we spent the, the evening with Hugh from Bright Collie. Um, obviously, got his own de- uh, design agency and yeah. branding, goes into companies, um, helps rebrand and you know, re-identify and reposition them in the marketplace. Um, what did you make of that? Um, it sounded really, really interesting. Was, um, from what you were saying about setting up his, um, his agency as well. Yeah, and I all picked the ideas up- for that. You like the the idea of being your own boss again? Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be good. But it, yeah, it'd just be a lot of a lot of work at the start, wouldn't it? But it's um, it's something if you had um, really good ideas and you just like sort of drawing basically and doing graphic design and getting different logos and everything set up, that would be yeah, that would be interesting. Do you do you like drawing? Um, I like just doodling when I'm on the phone or when I'm in the meeting. So, so yeah, maybe I could, yeah. So, so basically you doodle when you should be paying attention. Pretty much, yeah. So if you're in a um, a meeting with a, um, Woolworths are coming back, coming back to the high street and they're coming back online. Yeah. And they, they turn around and say, Rob, we think you're the only man that can help us. We've we've been to other agencies. They say it's not going to work. Okay. What what's your initial thoughts for us, Rob? Um, definitely a new new logo to start with. Um, that, that that's why we've come colors. to you, Rob. We want you to get yeah. a new logo. But think about what he I'm, said. I'm trying to think what the old one looked like. Think about think about what he said about brand equity. Now, Woolworths, although they it, it, got closed down, it's a still lot a big people, name, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, and a lot oh, of people remember them. Seven, eight letters in it, at least. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you wouldn't want to change the logo completely. You, you For nostalgia. Just, yeah, you'd would you just maybe bring, tweak it. Yeah. Okay, so our logo before was a big W. Yeah. What can you offer us? What about if you um, put it in an app symbol? Do. Yeah, that's an idea. Well, what's online? Yeah, yeah. It's but that was my idea. Well. That was my idea. Well, why am I well, paying I'll, I'll you? I'll just, I'll just copy that. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a cut, and I'll copy that. Okay, but I'm Woolworths asking you, and all you've done is, <laughs> is taken our idea as Woolworths and offer to sort of cut us back into it. So you go into a, a company, or a company comes to you, Rob. Yeah. What's the first two questions you ask them to find out about their organisation so you can start building a new brand for them? Um, well, you have to ask them sort of what's... <laughs> what, what's what sales? What, what are they into, first of all? So what sales... Uh... What they're into. But then I what's, might go, yeah, I, love, I, no, I love jet skiing. 
What are you into? What's the, no, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, I love jet skiing, but we sell sweets. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you've walked in, you've done no research on the company, and you've just gone, all right, guys, what, what, what are you into? Oh, no, yeah, you do the research first, wouldn't you? But if, if, if it was initially, um, you'd find out what they were selling. Okay, so what about, let's, let's start, look at this a different way. Yeah, go on. What is Bob Bob's logo? What is brand Bob's logo? Well, I've written right. I've written down here, Reese. Actually, so we're gonna start a new brand for Bob. So we can ask him them questions. So, okay, what is Bob? What does he do? Okay, so we're we're, we're interviewing Bob, and we're gonna make a brand. So my first question would be, well, what are you into? Um. Eating and running. Eating healthily? No, just just eating in general. So junk food, but running to keep yeah. the junk food off. Yeah. Well, or, yeah. or run, run into the kebab shop because he knows it's closing. <laughs> so at the moment, I'm getting brand Bobby's basically belly and beard. Yeah. And running shoes. And running shoes, yeah. <clears throat> So, so that, we that could be a good logo then, couldn't it? Yeah, but you're getting too far ahead of yourself again. With the logo, there's going to be a story. And the story is Rob likes running to buy food, but then he, he runs home to burn it off. So it's like a, a nice big cycle going on. But, but he's got a beard as well. So that's where a beard, beard comes into it. So colour-wise, <laughs> and the skeleton... <laughs> A colour theme for Rob, the brand. If we look at Rob, Reese, he's got grey in his beard, he's got pinky skin, and he wears grey clothes. I think we could get a really smart-looking kind of brand logo going on for him. Yeah, I I, I instantly went monochrome, but now I'm thinking yes. more Schindler's List, where everything's in black <laughs> and white, apart from his big red nose. Yeah. And maybe just the outline rather than a full-on picture logo. But, could, but would that get confused by Rudolph? Um, you could get sued, actually. Oh, Santa's not going to sue me, is he? Oh, Santa is very litigious. <laughs> why, why do you think the, the the Easter bunnies never made it big? That's true, yeah. yeah Thinking back to um, our last episode, and we asked... Hal Reynolds, um, where she would place Rob on the social media spectrum, I'm going to call it. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. You've seen me on the spectrum already. <laughs> oh. And she, she nailed this straight away. <clears throat> Rob being a a model on Instagram with his beard. So I think we got something building already with getting this brand going and a bit of a logo with the with the monochrome colours, the beard, yeah, the kind of the oils, all that kind of stuff. So we can probably start building colours into that as well. I don't know if you've noticed this this week though, John, he's actually had a chop on the beard. Yeah. Trimmed it down a bit. It's just getting too long. He, he hasn't shaped it. He's just gone straight across with no, a pair of no, scissors. No, I've tried to. Because I've done, you can see, I've done the sides. 
And then the, yeah, the front bit is just a bit straight across, isn't it? It's like a flat top, but at the bottom. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So it's a flat bottom. I think what you're starting to look like, Rob, if I'm honest, you're starting to look like a Guess Who character. (laughs) (laughs) I know know what you mean, yeah. And you will just be called Bob. Yeah. Has he got a beard? Yes, put him down. Is he bald? Yes, put him down. (laughs) Is he monochrome? (laughs) Has he got a red nose? Put him down. The one thing I think actually you would have in common with Hugh, Hugh is obviously extraordinarily humble. You know, he's got a a very successful agency. He's worked with very large businesses. A team of nine, he said. I think there's a lot of humility about you as well, Bob. I think you um, hide your light under a bushel. You think? Yeah, I I think, you know, you're you're in the background. You're not one that will sing your own praises or blow your own trumpet. I think that's definitely the only thing you share in common with him. (laughs) But what I could see, Reese, is I could see Reese. Uh, I could see Rob as a as a very well known, well respected designer of brands and logos, working with some huge multi million companies. And then the next day, he'd be walking down a street in Llanchersant with a Tesco carry bag. Yeah, because no one would know him. Yes, yeah, so I think you, you see further than me. I see Bob pitching up at BMW and going, all right then, uh, so what do you guys do? (laughs) And then he sketches a logo for them. So, as you know, Bob, every episode we set you a challenge. Yeah. And we'll be posting the results on our Twitter account. So, for this week's one, I think, and I don't know whether you agree, John, I think he needs to create a logo and a brand. Okay. Yeah. But what should it be for? Should it be something existing? A rebrand, yeah. Okay. Are we thinking a big company or? Well, I was thinking maybe of tying this back into, again, another another podcast. Uh, please go back and listen if you haven't. See, I, I can do the corporate stuff. I would, li- <laughs> I would like you to rebrand the breakfast in a tin. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. So you can't... You can't speak to them because you don't want to embarrass yourself by asking them <laughs> questions. So am I just do doing the logo or am I doing the whole well, what, the else, whole what else are you going to do? All right. Well, I think what would be uh, good is that you do the, the tin design or just the logo on there. Do, do the logo, yeah. but, but also give us a little insight as to the story or why you've come to that. Okay. Give us a little, little paragraph about the journey that you think that sausage, those beans, those mushrooms, the egg, I don't know what else is in that tin, cauliflower, toast. <laughs> Ash browns, I think. How they got there. All right, yeah. Got some ideas. As Hugh said, it's important to give concepts as well. So the tin would be a good one. So you wouldn't just design a logo to go on the tin. You have to show us well. how, how it worked on the tin, maybe in a, a pouch, if you start selling food in a pouch, like cats. <laughs> <laughs> and again, so put it in a pouch, you can pop it in the microwave. Why haven't exactly. you thought of that? Yeah. But you can't have that idea because that was mine that I just came up with now. Well, like, again, I'll just give you like you know, some... Uh... But, but also have a think about, you know, 
who would you reach out to? Which famous person would you have sort of in the advertising campaigns? Would you have sausages splattered all over Lewis Hamilton's car? Probably not, because he's going too fast. You wouldn't be able to see them. Do you know who I would pick? There'd be two people. Go on. Either Johnny Vegas. I, I knew you were going to say Johnny Vegas. <laughs> you, you've just gone for someone northern and fat. Harsh if he's listening. And <laughs> the other one being Jim Royal. Because he's northern <laughs> and fat. Jim Royal's a good chat with him. But then Jim Royal wouldn't be in the kitchen making it. That would be Barb. True. But then you'd have Jim Royal in the other room shouting stuff like, Cook breakfast in a tin, my arse. <laughs> and then in the advert, he tries it and he loves it. Yes, exactly. She comes out yeah. going, "Oh, I've made you, I've made you a breakfast." And he just, she just opens a tin, warms it up, and she, he says something rude, but he loves it. Yeah, I think you've got lots of ideas there. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, he's just going to come back with what we've just given him, John, don't you? <laughs> well, you're you're getting royalties for this, so it's it's fine. See, I would be more inclined, because John's gone for stereotypes. I'd be more going for your sportsman. It's your protein in a tin. Ah, wait now. It depends. If you make your vegan and, like, corn and stuff like that, then I think you might have a different angle and that kind of... I'll have to check the ingredients first and see. Well, that's Mo Farrow's straight in, isn't it, surely, if you're listening, Mo? (laughs) I do think, though, Reese, something like this... Excuse the pun, but it's got Rob's juices flowing here. I think because it's food related, yeah. he's getting excited by it. It's, it's, yeah, I'm getting ideas already. And we've got a bit of a theme on the pod already with yeah. the different foods um, and tie that in with branding. I can see this going somewhere. I can see them approaching us. So what's, what's your Twitter handle, so everyone? Um, my Twitter handle is at robpez24. And remind the listeners again, why did you choose their handle? Because um, that's my name and my birthday. Not my password, just my birthday. Rob Pezak, born in 1924. <laughs> and some things you have been sharing on social, Rob, is um, some pictures of Tenex snowballs and Tenex caramel bars. Yes, so I was inspired when I went shopping a couple of weeks back. Because, because of the last podcast, yeah? Yeah. See, after the last podcast, when I listened to it again, I think, and hopefully we'll have her back as a guest in the future because she was great. I hope Hell's come back and I think she got it wrong. I think the snowball is better than the tea cake. And I think the caramel biscuit is the best. Caramel biscuit is the best, um, but a snowball is definitely not better than a tea cake because they're too messy because all the coconut comes off. Yeah, but that's the fun then, you're scooping it up and whapping yeah, that in your mouth afterwards like a second course. Because you, know, you try to eat it and it gets all on your fingers as well. I do recall that's when the conversation about it getting in your beard. Yes, and yeah, with a tea cake. You can just put it straight in. And we were no going to have that no new feature, which we haven't brought into this one, actually, John. And as producer, I think you need to make some inroads into this, is what's in Rob's beard? Or where's, where was the rice? 
this podcast is slowly becoming a food podcast. A throwback to the last episode, social media. <clears throat> Got a question for you, Rob. Yeah. What's your thoughts on brands getting involved in offering their condolences to Prince Philip? Um, I haven't seen any, to be honest. So small, big brands that I've seen quite a few where they kind of offering that, you know, sorry to hear the news, all that kind of stuff. Just wondering, is it is that? Do you uh, think it's being nice? It, it, I suppose it doesn't hurt anyone, but um, um, yeah, do you think I it's, think a, it's okay. a great sort of comfort to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth when she's scrolling through Twitter? That I she's get, she on, getting she on Twitter. Oh, she's bound to be. Surely, do you think she thinks she takes solace in the fact that B and M bargains have sent her a message saying we're sorry about your loss? Come and come and pick up a mop on um, us. There's no denying it, Rob. Queen Elizabeth sits on the toilet and scrolls through Twitter like the rest of us. I wouldn't hear any different. Maybe she does that. Yeah, maybe as long as they're all, you know, nice mess. I'm not getting involved in this. I think this is treason. I, 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 <laughs> until I've had a read, I'm, 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 not, I'm commenting no more. The question is, yeah. Rob, will you now be sliding into a DMs? <laughs> no. No, I'll just, I'll just... Give her, give her the space that she needs. Yeah, absolutely. Rob is a gentleman, see? Yeah. You're the only one that's going to be stuck in that tower. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. No, but in all honesty, I think when you see some brands and stuff kind of offering that condolences and as if they they know when they're connected to royalties and things like that, they're just not... Not a big fan. I think it's almost a fear, though, that they will get called out for not being patriotic. And Maybe as I said, is, yeah, she, the Queen, doesn't care. You know, if spec savers haven't tweeted their condolences to it, it's more appeasing their customer base, which perhaps could be the right thing to do. If you felt that your demographic and your customer base were were royalists, but then it almost becomes to go back to Tunnock's the snowball effect of everyone having to jump on and do it. Just to uh, clear things up, Spectators may or may not have offered their condolences on Twitter. We do. Did you, John? I did not. Shame on you. (laughs) That's your MBE down the drain. For podcasting, services to media. We could get somebody on from the royal family. Talk about the bra- the royal family brand. Does anybody know anybody from the royal mint? Um, could be a starter. You I've live there, Rod. That would be a starter. How would that be a starter? Because it's got the royal in it. Because 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 the queen is on the coin. Yeah. Well, I I think Harry and Meghan are available for hire. <laughs> okay, if we want to start lower down than that, then we could start with a postman because he's employed by the Queen. <laughs> It'd be quite good, actually, if there is, is any chance. It actually would be quite an interesting to get someone in from the Royal Mint who does the design of the coins and how they come up with the concepts. And so, Rob, they're down the what's road the, from you. What's the sign off? Yeah. Next yeah. time I go running, I'll pop in. Be- oh, yeah. 
what process they go through to decide, and, and, and same with the money, you know, yep. the, the, the notes. They don't do the notes, they only do coins there. Rob goes for a run, pops in. What do you do? Doing a minute podcast? Yeah. Well, no, there's a, there's a little shop there, so you can go in. You can't go on the tour unless you've got a ticket, but you can just go in the shop and you buy the little... Can you buy a pound coin in the shop? Um, yeah, I think you can get it's a commemorative one, yes. Commemorative. Do you reckon they ever get anyone going in there going, all right, uh, have you got change for a fiver, lads? I guess so, yeah. I, I suppose you'd have to buy something first. I'll try it next time I go past. I'll pop in. Hugh David, Bright Collie. Some really interesting chat in there. I really, really, really loved hearing the story around how they came up with a Bright Collie name. Name it, yeah. It's one of them things like like we talked all the way through that you look at a logo, you look at a name, you look at a brand, you can judge it. But then when you hear the story around how it got to where it is, you appreciate it a lot more. Yeah, and it also showed that he was true to his beliefs in the way that they rebranded themselves. That you know, it went from Hugh David to Bright Collie, and in the same process that he would go and sell their expertise to to a company they went through the process yeah and I, i've i've spoken to lots of design agencies where they often say things like oh we really need to update our website because they do a lot of work for other companies and they focus on them and they put them through particular processes but they don't do it for themselves and I think what he was saying there, that they did it for themselves when they rebranded, they went through the process that they would take other companies through, and then that paid it, pays dividends then for when you look at their website yeah. and, and you read their story and who they are. And it's um, it's really nice, nice story. And I'm really pleased that they never went with the working dog. That's, <laughs> that, that's a yes. different website entirely. Yeah, yeah, no, you're spot on. And I think... When you go through that kind of um, process, you eventually get to that one that really fits and it and it suits you. Um, and they, I think, they needed to probably go through that working dog part to get to Bright Collie. So, Rob, if you had to, <clears throat> if you had a business tomorrow and you had to name it after your cat, what would you call your business? Um, it depends what the business is doing. Okay, Cause if what's, it, what's your business doing? Um, sell, selling cupcakes. I was, yeah. oh, okay, if it's food based, okay. I was just going to say because I thought it was going to be based on design and stuff that we talked. That's about. what I thought we would okay. go for because considering the tone of our podcast and what we're doing, Rob just goes back. To, I don't <laughs> know. If, are, we, are we recording this too late at night? That's where it is. I, I had tea about seven, so yeah, six hours later, and I'm hungry again. It's not, is it? No, it's not yeah. six hours later. No, no it's, it's because late. of the no. It's because it's the twenty-four hour clock. So it, it threw me out. <laughs> the twenty-four hour clock makes you hungry. <laughs> right, Rob. You've got a design agency. Yeah. So you've got a design name. agency. Yeah, I think about the things that are around you, and the story you could tell to come up then with the name of your your new brand agency or design agency. I, I don't mean literally say, yeah, around you now. Okay. Yeah. 
Does he carry um, a bag? This. I'll give you an example. So, um, in the old house I lived in, um, it was painted really the front of the house. It was when we rented. It was painted, um, painted red. And at the time, I was brewing my own beer and bits and pieces like that. So, as a joke, I called them the Red House Brewery because yeah. it was something personal to me, which. You know, and it was only it was only sort of brews for for home, but it was that was the brand I went for. So think of something around your life, your home now that you would call your design agency. What's your favourite room in the house? Oh, we know it's the kitchen. kitchen. We know yeah. that. <laughs> and do you call it the kitchen, or do you call um, it something else? No, what else would you what call else? it? Would you call it? It's just a, it's just a kitchen in my house. <laughs> perhaps he's, he's he's in Bujando. Perhaps he's got a kitchenette. Yeah. You could put a twist on it with a Welsh word, and it could be a keg in. And that could be a design agency, and then people are like, oh, what's that mean? Then the ones who can't speak Welsh and be like, oh, kitchen, come into the kitchen, and we'll prepare a design Ooh. for you. Oh, nice. Good answer. I like yeah. that. Yeah, and then you be, and then you could, you could put a twist on everything. So you could say, right, we need some ingredients from you guys to then make a recipe. Yeah. To, to build a brand for you. Which the public will then devour. Yes. So it's all yeah, all food based brands. I I think we should stop telling our ideas, John. <laughs> we just need to get on with this stuff. We should jettison Bob. I'm sure some other podcast will pick him up somewhere. But if you went with the, like what Hugh did originally, where he had Hugh David, and he said a lot of designers do that, and they do. You see a lot out there. Just use their name yeah. and run with it. But you could, with yours, Rob, you could have a little bit of a twist where you could be like Bearded Bob or Bearded Bob Designs. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And that, you just a one-man band doing that. Yeah. But the twist is you have to design with your beard. So you have to put a pencil in your beard, draw a design, and then they've got to go with that. Oh, I actually, I thought he'd more sort of dip it in paint. Yeah, if it was long enough, I could and just... wipe it across the canvas. Painting with your beard. You'd be, it'd be a doc... You could become a pop artist. It'd be a documentary artist. about you. And next, next thing, you'd be designing with shit. No, I wouldn't go that far. He's barred in a cell. <laughs> Dirty protesting. Yes. <laughs> the walls covered in fecal matter. So, boys, what's your uh, biggest takeaways from this episode? I think the biggest takeaway is, is probably um, if you've got any any thoughts or any ideas, is to write them down as soon as you can, um, or do different drawings or little doodles. Rather than wait, and, so what? Why do you think that was important? Because otherwise you'd forget. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's because so that you can start an idea that's not yeah. not polished by some creative studio that you've got on. Robson. Because you could just leave yourself a yeah, voice. Yeah, Rob's, t- Rob's treating as the uh, 
the new way of tying a note in your hanky. Yeah. You don't forget. Yeah, what he's trying to say there is, do you remember there was one clear line which was really interesting is your first sketch or design is your worst design and then you build on it from there. Yeah, I remember that one. And I think that's the important part where you might sketch something out quickly and go, right, yeah, I want to create something like that, but that's not going to be your finished yeah. product and then you build on that. But at least you've got the that idea there and that start there. At least you were the reminder. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. You, you just you just have a note saying, uh, "I drew a great doodle. Work on that." Yeah, yeah. Which is why I've always got a, a pen and a pack of yellow stickies close to hand, just in case I need them. Right. What you need to do throughout this week now, Rob, is use the pack of stickies and your pen. Yeah. And when you think, "Oh, that'd be a cool logo," just sketch it out and then send it to us. Okay. Send us a picture as mm. you sketch it. You go, oh yeah. Something like this would be cool for a, a zoo or a kitchen. Yeah, take a photo. Yeah, and send it to you. Send it to us. We'll get it up on Twitter. Yeah, I'll okay. do that. So, and I've got to do the um, the breakfast logo as well, haven't I? Yeah. And so the I'll breakfast logo. You've got a lot, you, a lot to homework lots this of homework. Yeah. Busy week. One of um, my key takeaways from this was just... Uh, like every brand has that story, as I mentioned earlier. And it's it's more than colours and more than a logo. Um yeah. it's a lot more to where where a lot of people don't don't see it. And I think Reach, you mentioned it earlier, you, you would judge a logo or a brand and think, Oh, that's rubbish. But then when you know the story behind it or how they're gonna use something, it just means hell of a lot more. And I find that really interesting. Yeah, I agree. Um in a similar vein, because as I said, I'm, I've been guilty of that. Um, what I found fascinating was the way he said that even if it's a terrible logo, as, as long as you've got the right ideas um, and as long as you've got the goodwill and the support of your audience, it doesn't matter. It's 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 a the brand includes that as well. It's not just about, as you say, a flashy logo. It's the whole concept and what he does and what their company do is go out and actually engage with the company, engage with the audience to make sure they're tailoring it right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a lot more to it, isn't it? Um, one of the other things that I found interested in there, which I was hoping that he would give Rob an opportunity is that he set up right collie to get students in. And they kind of, For work experience, yes. Yeah. yeah, and they kind of teach them the basics and and the thought process, I suppose, around, you know, not... Two seconds, hang on, sorry. What? Yeah. No, that. Sorry. Right. Yeah. So, what was making all that rattling noise? Um, wind chime. Oh, that's just my um... wind chime. Did you... no, it's like... no, I think he's got pots and pans in there in case he has an emergency yeah. snack. Some my running stuff on my on my he's door. Gonna... Have you not seen it before? He... What are you running armor? No, all the like the the medals and stuff. All right. <laughs> oh, medals! Like a dream catcher. <laughs> Brilliant. Have you um, 
And then, so every time you, you, you open the door, it makes a noise. Are you familiar with the film Labyrinth? Um, I've seen it years ago. It's like an old troll type woman, and she walks, and it's like pots and pans move every time she moves. <laughs> they just rattle. It's the same I think I've got it on DVD. So I'll have to have a look. I'll watch that as part of my homework as well. No, you don't have to. No, you've got far too much homework already. It's fine. Oh, that's tremendous. Anyway, um, yeah, the student thing is. Um, so Bright Collie have students in, and yeah, um, teaching the ropes, but also I suppose get them up and running and and say not to just to work for free because of the value of design and all that kind of stuff where people don't quite realise because often people can do their own design, but they don't do the whole package of thinking about it and the and the culture of an organisation and what the brand means and the concepts and all that kind of stuff. So there's a hell of a lot more to it, which um, which is quite interesting. And again, maybe Rob, there's an opportunity for you to go to Bright Collie or someone like that as a student. Could Bit do. Of work yeah. Placement. I mean, yeah. It's, like I said before, it's only five minutes away from the house, so you pop in. You could always be on time. It's very convenient. <laughs> I would in, love yeah. it after COVID that you just turned up. <laughs> Remember me, Hill? I, I might do. Yeah. I yeah. Uh, so, and yeah, and, and by then, you know, that's no, really... by then I'd have a, a portfolio of all my little doodles, drawings, and doodles. Yeah, you would, and you know, you'd have social media as well. Exactly, it, and more than what, followers. That advice that you gave, which we've not heard before, actually, it was really interesting. Where don't don't work for free, you know, value what you are and what you do. Yeah. So, in that spirit. How much do you value per hour your output, Rob? What, what what would be your lowest that you'd accept? How low would you go? Um, Bearing in mind that you're starting off a new career, so... Yeah. I don't know, honestly. I don't know if think. Because like you, like you said before, it's, um, it's having all the, the thought and ideas behind it and then... Spending time. Doing yeah, but you've, you've got none of those. So put yourself at a competitive price per hour. So I, I'm not sure what the current living wage is. It's got to be about nine quid, nine fifty. I've got an epic challenge for Rob. Maybe for further down the line, maybe series two. There's a there's a website called Fiverr, Fiverr.com. You may have come across it. But what you can no. do on there is you can hire like graphic designers and things like that from £5, but they go up in price depending on what they kind of offer and believe that they're worth. So you could hire a okay. designer for 20 quid, and you can also hire a designer for £500, and their output and the feedback and stuff that's on there will, yeah. will give you an understanding of whether it's worth going for them. So you could position yourself on there, Rob, and try and get some work for 10 quid and design a logo for somebody. <laughs> and I could use that as my portfolio. Well, that could be funny yeah. because you're not ripping anybody off if they do it for ten pound or something like that. Then you don't feel so bad. No, but that could be a portfolio starter. And yeah. if somebody was to come back and go, oh, "Rob, it's not very good," you you've always got a fallback of, "I'm not being funny. You just pay ten quid." <laughs> or, or you just go, "Oh yeah, you're right. I'll knock a quid off." <laughs> nine pound. Yeah, give them a discount. Yeah. 
But um, but like you were saying, you know, there's there's people, companies, websites that allow you to do all these kind of things these days and do stuff for cheap. But it really depends on what you need as an organization. And if you need the whole package and somebody to come in and, and I think what he said is they come in and solve problems for businesses. And I think that's quite interesting in itself. Um, so if you've got something that needs solving and changing, you need really need as an organization to spend time and money and effort in, into that. Otherwise you would just hire Rob on Fiverr right. forward slash yeah. Rob Pez. Yeah. So it's not just a, a logo, is it? Yeah. It's a lot more to it. Is there any is there any brand, Bob, that you would really like to is there anything that you see that frustrates you and you just want to go, I'd love to do something with that? Um or flip it, any any brand that really annoys you? No, I can't think of any. Just so mean you don't know. It's pro- I'm too laid back, that's the thing. There's probably ones where you probably see so often that you almost get used to them. So even if you didn't like them, you wouldn't notice that you didn't like them because you just see them mm. all the time under the household kind of logo. Yeah. Like I'm looking around the room now and there's a TV with just Pan- Panasonic written on it. It's inoffensive, the logo, or the, yeah, because it's just text. So it doesn't mean much. But then when you look around you and you see other logos, you might be like, oh, yeah, I'm used to it. But I always find. And again, I find this quite interesting based on the stuff that he was saying about concepts and how brands work across all kinds of literature and, and vans and every buildings and everywhere else. If I'm walking or driving along by a road and I see vans going past and they've not made use of their van to like wrap it in really nice um, artwork or, or logo designs and stuff like that and they literally just stick the logo on the side. It's a wasted opportunity, and name. it just doesn't yeah. doesn't do it for yeah. me. And then I don't like that. Um, do you ever get that? See, I never notice it. No, do you ever get that, Rob? I can't. I'm too busy driving, watching the road, and listening to the radio to get angry yeah. that someone someone's yeah. not filled up their van space. <laughs> I don't get angry at it, but yeah, yeah I, I can see you there. Just, for, for, for me, yeah. for me, you're not making yeah. use of your brand because you've got an opportunity and it's almost like free advertising. Of course, you pay for the van to be wrapped in the first place. But over that couple of year period, that's driving around the county and whatever else. And everyone sees that. And look at the Sky Vans. They're the best ones for me because they covered in the... Actually, I... Yeah. They covered in the TV programs, aren't they? And you see like big Game of Thrones on the side and that advertises that particular program and then people want to watch it and so on. And then you see, you know, Joe Bloggs down the road who's a plumber and he's just got a little sticker on the side you can't see it unless you actually walk up close to it. It doesn't do anything. You're quite yeah. right. I, I don't get road rage like you do over vans <laughs> that aren't wrapped properly. You do notice it though. But, but the, yeah, the Sky vans, absolutely, if I see them on the road, they do catch my eye and draw my attention. Yeah. Um, so you've actually, yeah, that's quite a good point there, John. It's the same with colours. It's like when you're, again, driving, walking or whatever, and you see a particular colour that stands out, you often know who that's associated with. It's like when you're driving past the Sainsbury's, the orange, at a distance, you can mm-hmm. pick it up in your eye, and you're like, oh, there's, oh, that must be Sainsbury's. And another one which is really good, disgusting, by UPS, with the brown vans. 
I really don't like the look and the feel of them, but you know it's UPS because it's brown and then a light brown over the top which says UPS. It stands out, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like the um, the, the Diana Ross bands that you see with that bright orange. Yeah. But like we were saying earlier, well, they you... could be brands that don't look very nice, but if they're consistent, like UPS, they stick with their brown. Not many other companies have gone mm. with a brown kind of look and feel. Um, but you know it's UPS. True. Yeah. I've noticed recently that um, obviously during lockdown, everything's coming via Amazon at the moment for us, that that they've now got their fleet of vans, yeah. which they never used to have. They used to be random ramshackle people in cars. But now they've got a very smart uh, fleet of grey vans. Mm. Uh, a lot of them are electronic. Mm. So, again, and they're quite happy to... Or, it's quite prominent on the van that that's what they are. So you, you can see that they're going for that eco um, message. Um, and it, 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 it feels smarter when that is delivering to you than, as I say, some, some woman in an old Ford Talbot. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know whether she's delivering something or trying to take something. <laughs> So all I'll say is, so this is number five, Bob. Yeah. I haven't got you that job yet. Still no closer. Still no closer. We've got one episode left in this series. Any hopes, aspirations of who the next guest may be? Um, hopefully somebody with a little bit of sympathy for me. <laughs> yeah, feel sorry for me. Yeah, go on, I'll give him a job. I, I, to be fair, I think all, all of our guests have felt sorry for you so far. <laughs> um, but I yeah, think they've measured up your, your capabilities against what they would look for as an employee, and you just haven't quite measured up. Luckily for John and I, uh, otherwise we wouldn't have a series. Exactly, yeah. That's true. But, um, yeah, it could be a... A series finale next week. You never know. Series finale, got a big one, get you a job. Yeah. Great stuff. I'll see you uh, next time, boys. Yes. See you next week. Ta-da, lads. Take care. Ta-da. If you want to get in touch or slide into our D- DMs, what does that mean? Follow us on Twitter at The Branded Pod. Um, Rob, hashtag get Bob a job. <laughs>